0: The kids left so fast. I was going to show you. There was like five little girls all dressed exactly the same. So we'll get them out. We'll get them back out here later. But so, so we do this every year. We do Camo Sunday. It's the first Sunday after uh, deer season opens or squirrel season, I, you know, whatever you want to do. Um, after hunting season really, really opens. People have been hunting doves for a few weeks, but that's okay. Um, so <laughs> I tried. I didn't do very good. Um, somebody that knows what they're doing is going to have to take me some time. Uh, but we do we do this we do camo Sunday and and you know you might wonder oh this little silly pastor you guys are all dressed up in camo you know what if we can't come to church and just you know what shake off those traditions and shake off those shackles of who cares of somebody thinking something then what are we doing man and so at this church don't ever walk in here thinking that you're going to find a traditional service where people have their noses turned up, because that's not what we do here, and so we celebrate together, and we have fun together, come on, and so, so here we are, it's Camo Sunday, and so I do have a, an award for the, the family with the most camo, I think you all know who that is, and so <laughs> so they're not all out here now, because a bunch of them ran to the back, but Christina, would you stand? And at least you and Shelby can, can uh, accept the award. Jared's in the back there. You might not can see him. But uh, Harris family, come on, representing. Camouflage. We were doing, um, we got into a thing, Pastor Daphne and I. Uh, I don't know whose idea it was, but we wanted to color coordinate. You guys remember that? And so every Sunday morning, the worship team would color coordinate. And so she'd send out a text on Saturday and she'd say, Everybody wear blue. And so everybody come up here with some kind of blue on. And um, I'd be like, Jeans, right? And so, and one day she said, Earth tones. I said, What is Earth tones? Y'all, i got to tell you something. I only know, like, the basic uh, eight-pack Crayola, okay? I know red, blue, and green. Uh, that's, after that, it gets confusing, okay? Uh, somebody be like, oh, that's kind of a mauve. And I'm like, who? Who, Grandma? And so, anyway, <laughs> she said, wear earth tones. And I said, can I wear camo? And she's like, no, you can't wear camo. So now who we are, man, if we're wearing camo. <laughs> I got gotcha. you. So, anyway, it's fun. We, wanna, we do this, and it's fun. We're starting a series today. On spiritual warfare, and so before I give my announcements, would you turn to 2 Timothy chapter four, and I'll give you uh, I'll, I'll give you a heads I'll give you a, a head start on that. We're going to go into some deep stuff over the next few weeks. Listen, spiritual warfare is a big thing, and if you don't have your head in the game, if you don't have your head in the fight, well, then you're losing. And uh, and I'm not going to preach my sermon just yet. I got some announcements, but um, I, I just want to kind of. Get, get you ready. this is something that I get excited to preach about uh baby shower today two two is it two? okay, I'm talking to you <laughs> two p m here they're gonna be a baby shower for Aaron and McKenna. They're having a girl, right? girl, okay, I pay attention so y'all come and and just love on love on those uh, those young people um okay. Uh, We are going to do Trunk or Treat. We did Trunk or Treat last year, and it was so fun. It was hot. And so this year we're going to get everybody back in the back instead of over here on the parking lot. Maybe that will help with some of the heat. But if you want to um, bring a donation of individually wrapped candy, that would be great. That would be helpful. If you want to bring that up to the daycare uh, during the week, you can. And they'll they'll take that. If you want to bring it on Sunday morning, give it to Pastor Monica. Don't give it to me because it will go in my office. so anyway, so okay now. You didn't have to amen on that. Um anyway, so we're gonna do that. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Uh if you want to set up, uh we had a great participation last year. A lot of people brought their vehicles all dressed up and it was it was such a good it was such a fun event and we had um, it was like over 150 people came to that. It was crazy. It was so many people. And um, anyway, so if you want to do that, just be thinking about that. It's, it's going to be fun. That's going to be on the last Sunday of the month. Um, we need, we have, we have a need right now. Um, and I just want to just, just be, be candid, be real with you. We need teachers, and we need nursery workers. So I want you to be praying, church family. And if God, if the Holy Spirit moves on your heart to help, this is, this is very important. And so uh, on Wednesday nights, <clears throat> we've got a uh, ladies' class, we've got Bible study, we've got, we've got men's class. We don't ever want to neglect our young people. We don't ever want to neglect our children. Jason's got the youth out in the youth building, which if you haven't checked out the youth building recently, go out there and take a look. They are, it's, it's still a work in progress, but it looks really good so far. They, they are just making that thing all new. It's great. Um, but be praying about that. Um, if you want to help, if you want to be a teacher, let us know. Let me know. Let Pastor Monica know. Um, it's 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 very important, and we have a need in that area. We need teachers, and we need nursery workers. Um, so I just want to I just want to give that to you. Now I want to I want to do a little commercial here, a little PSA, public service announcement. Um, there have been a lot of phone calls uh, being. Made to people recently. I got one, I think it was Wednesday or Tuesday, sometime last week I got one. And these are scammers that call and they say things like, hey, you're being investigated, or hey, you've committed a crime. Let me tell you something. Um, and, and saying things like, we're going to arrest you if you don't give us money. Can I just tell you, the police do not call you. I've never been arrested personally. But I watched a lot of TV, and the police do not call you and say, hey, we're about to come arrest you. Okay? They want to have the element of surprise. And so if someone calls you and they say, hey, we're about to arrest you, you say, come on, Big Papa, come and get me. Okay? It is a scam. And y'all, I get upset about this. I get upset about this because these people, they're usually from, they're usually foreigners, they're usually from a different country, and they pray on our elderly folks and it upsets me it makes me mad and um and so I want you to just be really aware of that I want you to be careful if somebody calls your phone and it's a weird number or if someone calls you and it's a 318 number and they say you need to pay some money or the IRS is trying to get a hold of you or the FBI is trying to get a hold of you you hang up in their face okay listen I just want to I want to just Talk about this because it's been happening a lot and I don't want any of my family to get hit by this because they could get thousands upon thousands of dollars from you really quickly and so uh, the first thing I always do if a scammer calls me is I ask them what is their favorite color. The second thing is I ask them what is their favorite dinosaur and they usually hang up on me on that one but the best thing for you to do is to just hang up in their face. Okay? So everybody in agreement. If someone calls and they ask about, and they start saying that you're going to get arrested if you don't pay your fines, hang up in their face. Okay? If the law wanted to come get you, they will come get you. All right? Hopefully that's not going to happen because we're all good Sunday school going people, right? Right? Oh no. <laughs> oh no. Oh my. All right. So, so we're, we're in 2 Timothy. All right, so. Before we go into this, I want to give you a little story. We're going to talk about fighting the good fight for the next few weeks. And um, I get this from two verses in 2 Timothy. And and the apostle Paul, he's writing this letter to Timothy. And he says, says, fight the good fight. He says it twice. One time, we all know the verse. He says, uh, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. But he also... And another verse tells Timothy to fight the good fight. He says, you, man of God, fight the good fight. And so, um, before we get into that, I want to just, some of you might remember, there was a karate class here. At, it was First Assembly. Anybody remember karate class? Anybody? We called it, what was it called? Pais, something like that. Yeah, and so, so I remember um, when I was a kid, I was in like the second, second or third grade, and um, there was this guy at school. And you, if you've been to public school or private school or you had a big brother, there was always some guy trying to beat you up. And so I remember this kid, and I'm not going to say his name because he might be watching and he might still beat people up. And so I'm not going to say his name, but there was this guy, and he was big. He was huge. I mean, this kid was like, it was like the third grade, and he was like 34 years old. Like, how, how are you here right now? What did they feed you? And it's like, man, this dude's just, he's a giant, man. He was like Paul Bunyan walking around. And so this guy, he was mad every day. And I would probably be mad, too, if I was in the third grade and I was bumping my head on the doorway But he was mad every day. And so, you know what, there was probably some stuff going on at home, probably some things, you know, that's usually, usually when someone's being a bully, they've been bullied, right? And so that's probably what was going on. But I didn't know. And so he would come to school, man, and he'd pick on everybody, and uh, nobody would fight back because the dude was giant. He was, like, trying to fight Shaquille O'Neal. And so, um, so... A guy from church started a karate self-defense class, and I thought, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, and so immediately I'm like, mommy, daddy, I need to sign up for the karate self-defense class at the church, and so we, we go, and I remember, and, y'all, and I wish I had, there is a video. Of this class, and I wish I had it because it is so incriminating. I mean, it's so funny. And it's like people doing these karate kicks, and it's, oh man. And I remember, it's, see, I don't know, I remember a lot of y'all there, okay? And uh, I want you to know, I want you to know something about your pastor. When you get in a bind, your pastor's a white belt. Yeah. Yeah. What are you laughing? Shh, be quiet. Be quiet. Yeah, that's the one that comes with the pajamas. Um, <laughs> Brittany actually is, is higher ranked in karate than I am because I think she had one stripe on her white belt. Oh, she had two, oh I'm sorry. <laughs> she had two stripes. It's, it's a technicality. Anyway, and so I signed up for karate, and I thought, dude, I'm going to go in there, and I'm going to learn karate, and I'm going to smash this bozo. And so I go to karate class a few nights, and all they make us do, and if you were there, you're going to remember this, they will make you do this thing called the horse stance. Some of y'all should have groaned that went to the karate class, man. And the guy, the teacher, the sensei, was Jim Settle, and Jim would make you do the horse stance. And maybe he made me do it a lot because I just wasn't paying attention. But anyway, I was like, man, come on, I'm ready to learn how to fight people. And so after a few weeks, we did karate, really never learned how to fight anybody, uh, of course, we only, we only went for like a few weeks because me and my brother had commitment issues. and so. But anyway, I decided in my, in my wisdom, you know, as a 10-year-old or however old I was, I decided that I was pretty good. And so I was going to go back to school and teach this guy a lesson. And so I went to school, and I wanted to get on his level. And so I climbed up on one of those culverts that they used to have on the playground. You guys remember those? It's like, who came up with that? Like, hey, let's get some playground equipment. Oh, here's some concrete culverts. Let's paint them blue, and the kids will love them. So I get up on there so I could be eye-level with them. I was like, hey, come here, dude. And he comes over, and he's like, what's your problem? And I was like, I'm going to take you down. And this is bad. This is bad. And I wasn't listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And so, anyway, this kid hit me, man, and it knocked me off the thing. And you, you ever have all your air leave you? Your air is just like, nah, fam, I'm gone. And you're laying there going, Aah. And it's really hard to be a tough guy when the only sound you can make is, ah. And so, listen, and so he just, luckily, he didn't murder me. He just walked away. But, listen, here's the thing. Sometimes we get in that place spiritually where we, we think that we've got it and so we just try to jump off in the fray and start throwing right and left hooks, start throwing these hands and really we should be sitting still and letting Jesus fight for us. But sometimes we get so ahead of ourselves we just decide to act out and before we pray, before we get in the spirit, we decide to act out and just do something and a lot of times Sometimes we make a huge mistake and we mess up. Or sometimes we start to do the training just like I was going to go to the karate. Listen, I could have went to that karate class for three years and that dude still would have whooped my tail. But listen sometimes we start to go into the training, we start to go in this period of growth, and instead of waiting and out till we're done, we want answers now, we want uh, want results now, because we're this uh, microwave society, where we think we could just boom, 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 it's done, and that's not the way things work with God a lot of times. Listen, if God wanted to say, boom, you're good, he could do it, but that's not the way he does things. If we look in the Word, if we look through the Bible, there's often Times periods where where people were being prepared. These periods of preparation. Moses was out in the out for forty years. Guys, he was getting prepared. The Israelites had to wander for forty years. Jesus was out. For, Jesus Himself was out for forty days. And so, there's oftentimes a period of preparation, and there are examples in the Bible of people uh, that jumped out before they were ready, and oftentimes they end up really messed up. And so listen, uh, there there are two types of Christians, I believe. Those who practice a phoned in version of Christianity, who get knocked over every time the big bad wolf sneezes. My son loves that story. He loves me to tell him about the big bad wolf coming out, of the, coming after the three little pigs. But don't you know that there are people out there that carry the name Jesus. But as soon as Satan blows any kind of wind their way, they shake and they fall apart. And they say, oh man, God doesn't love me, man, because I got sick. There are people out there that give up on their faith. There's, a, There's even a word for it now in 2021. It's called deconstruction. And there are people that'll come out. uh, prominent Christian people have come out and said, Oh, my faith was deconstructed because I saw bad things happen. Let me tell you something. There are two kinds of Christians. There are the kind that have faith that's wimpy, babyfoot faith, that can't stand in the midst of trial in the midst of bad situations. And then there are those that have faith that is solid, that is uh, built on solid ground. So when the wind blows and the rain falls, their house that they've built of faith does not fall down. I want to be like that. And let me tell you something. There are a lot of people that I grew up watching. There are a lot of people that still, even now, that I look up to that have paved the way for me as a young believer. Who have gone through things. And instead of just sitting down and saying, whoa, Jesus doesn't love me. They praise him even harder in the midst of the storm. You know, recently there was a family, and they got some really bad news. The doctor, I was standing there. The doctor came in and said, there is absolutely nothing that can be done. And I want to tell you something. Nobody in that family lost their faith. Nobody in that family said, well, God must not love us. God must not love us at all. Instead, they praised anyway. And I want to challenge you throughout this series to be that second person, that Christian that stands up in the midst, that Christian that has faith that's so strong that even in the midst of a tidal wave of bad things, of warfare, you can stand strong knowing that Jesus has got you. Let's look at 2 Timothy. It says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is judge, the li- who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing And his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Oh, my. And will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering. Come on, somebody. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. Paul's talking about the end of his days. He's getting ready to die. He's imprisoned, and he knows there's no way, there, there, other than a miracle, that there's no way out. And he can see that that he's about to be executed. He can see that the trial's is a sham and that the Romans don't care, that he's he's reaching the end of his time and so he's writing to Timothy and he says and the time of my departure has come i have fought the good fight i have finished the race i have kept the faith henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness with the lord which the lord the righteous judge will award to me on that day and not only to me but also to all who have loved his appearing. And if you look at uh, 1 Timothy 1 Timothy 6, this is the first letter to Timothy. He uses that language uh, again for the first time, actually. Uh, he says in 1 Timothy 6, 11, he says, But as for you, man of God, flee these things, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith fight the good fight. So we want to talk about warfare. We want to talk about getting in the fight this morning and for the next few weeks. And we're going to talk about some things that are kind of spooky. We're going to talk about some things that are kind of scary. Because when we say spiritual warfare, I'm not talking about you woke up and your and your tummy was hurting. When I say spiritual warfare, I'm not talking about you had a hard day at work. When I say spiritual warfare, I'm talking about demonic activity. Let's get real, church. When I say spiritual warfare, I'm talking about powers and principalities that try to stop you from living under the rule and reign of Jesus. I'm talking about Spiritual entities that try to stop you from serving God, from telling people about the good news, from spreading the gospel. That's spiritual warfare. Look, let's look at my first point is there is more than we see. There's more than we see. There's a spirit world out there. We know this. Come on. If you you believe that God created everything, then you know that, that you believe that there's a spirit world because God is a spirit. Matthew 12, uh, Jesus rebukes a demon that is causing a man to be deaf and blind. Don't you know that when when you see sickness, when you see things like that, come on, sometimes that's demonic oppression. Now, I'm not saying... That if you ate, uh, that, that if, you, if you showed up on Wednesday night and Pastor JB made chili and he put too much spice in there, and you're like, hey, Pastor, listen, I got, I got the bubbles and I got to go home early. I'm not saying that's demonic oppression, Okay. That's your pastor put too much spice in the chili. But sometimes when someone's got this heaviness on them and they can't live their life because of a debilitating disease or illness, you better believe that a lot of times that is demonic oppression on that person. Come on, somebody better say amen because if you don't believe that, you can't rebuke it come on, if you don't believe that a demon, uh, that an unclean spirit can cause an unclean heart and an unclean uh, body, a a physical ailment, then you can't rebuke that thing. And so Jesus in Matthew 12, he looks at a man that is deaf and blind, and he immediately knows what the, what the real reason is. And it's a demon that's oppressing this man. Um, And I love that, some of, the, some of the Bible versions actually use that word oppression because there are people out there that say, oh, he's possessed. Someone's possessed. Let me tell you something. Let's talk about demonic possession for a minute. Demonic possession is possible. There are people that can, that can be possessed of a demon. It's biblical. Um, some of you have probably encountered situations like that. I remember one time I was with my pastor. We, we went and visited a church, and he was preaching, and a young man came down to the altar and started taking his clothes off. And I thought, he must be hot. I didn't know what was going on. He just started taking his clothes off. And luckily there was an usher, started putting the clothes back on. And um, <laughs> But I, I didn't know what was going on. I was real young, and, and, and I was nervous because what is this guy doing? And the pastor just grabbed this kid, and the kid just started pushing pushing pastor away. And he's going to hit him. And so they they restrained this guy, and they just started praying and speaking in tongues and this kid starts shaking, and he just falls. He just crumples. That kid had a lot of demonic activity. Was he possessed of a demon? I don't know. But it looked like it. That can happen. But I think what happens more often than that, I think possession is very, very rare. Oppression is common. Oppression is common. Everyone in this room has probably at some point in your life had Demonic activity, and you may not even have known what was going on. But it's when you get in this point where you just feel that heaviness, and your body's having issues, and you've got this bad attitude, and you just, ah, there might be demonic activity in your house. And this is something that Christians don't need to be afraid of, but you do need to be aware of. Because, again, if you don't recognize it, you can't rebuke it come on somebody. And so Jesus, he immediately knows what's going on with this guy. He's got a demon and he's deaf and uh, he's blind and deaf. And so what does Jesus do? He casts that demon out. He rebukes that demon away from this guy and he's healed immediately. And so the Pharisees, y'all remember them, they show up. They always showing up. The Pharisees accuse Jesus of using the power of Satan to cast out demons, but Jesus says this. He says, "Wait a minute." He says, "A house divided against itself will surely fall, and a kingdom divided will surely fall." So why in the world? And I'm paraphrasing what he says. He says, "If if, if Satan's kingdom is divided against itself, it will fall." And so Jesus, he he makes a distinction that there's a kingdom of God, which we just did a series on. You guys remember? We just did a series about kingdom culture, that when we become Christians, when we become Christians, we become kingdom people and we live under the rule and reign of Jesus in our lives. That's what being a kingdom person is. And so Jesus makes a distinction. He says there's a kingdom of Satan and there's a kingdom of God. There are two. And so we know that there's more out there. There's more to our world than what we just see. And so I want you to understand, Christian, that a lot of times when things are going on, when people are doing things that are just evil, and you sit here and you wonder, how could they do that? How could someone do something so evil? You better recognize that there's more to it than than, than you can see. There's more to it. You can see the repercussion of demonic oppression on someone's life. Maybe you, some people out there can see those things. They can see into the spiritual realm. They've, they've got that gift. I don't think I'd want to be able to see those things. It would freak me out. It would worry me too much. Um, and so... The first point, there's more than we see. We've got to get there. We've got to understand that there's more than just our natural world. And we all believe that. We're all Christians. We all, you know, I hope we are. We all love Jesus. We, we know Jesus. We, we know about the Holy Spirit. So we know that there's a supernatural realm. But I want you to understand that a lot of times in life, a lot of times when you see things going on, there's more to it than just what meets the eye. There's more to what someone's struggling with. Someone that's that's addicted to drugs or pornography, there's more to it than just that person has a problem. Oftentimes, there's a spirit that is constantly abusing that person, constantly oppressing that person. So, Christian, you need to recognize that so you can rebuke it. The second thing, there are spirits There are other spirits around us, and they are in rebellion against God and anyone who follows him, okay? Listen, it's very important to make that distinction. They don't just hate God, but they hate you because you are part of the kingdom. Because you are, what did we talk about when we were doing kingdom culture? You're an image bearer. And so when God created man, he gave man some authority to govern over earth, okay? And so when you walk in authority and you walk in a relationship with Jesus, you are truly an image bearer. And those unclean spirits see that, those demons see that, and they cannot stand it. And so when you become an image bearer, when you say, upon this rock, I will stand, and I will not shake. And I will follow you, Jesus. When you make that declaration, when you make that decision, they can't stand you. And they've got to do everything they can to mess you up. And that's why, you see, a lot of times you'll, you'll have missionaries come in here and they'll tell you these stories. And they'll say, oh, well, you know, our son, our daughter had this illness. Or we couldn't do this. Or there was, that is, those are attacks. Those are attacks from demonic forces. And I told you, we're going to get off in some stuff. We're going to get off in some, some spooky stuff, talking about demons. But these are things that the, old, that the New Testament is really specific about. And if we're going to walk in victory, if we're going to walk and not just be phoned-in Christians, if we're going to walk in authority, then we've got to know this stuff. So stay with me. In Daniel 10, there is uh, an entity mentioned. It's called the Prince of Persia. And you see, so Daniel, uh, an angel comes to visit Daniel, and he gives Daniel uh, some, a message. He's a messenger. And so this messenger comes to visit Daniel, and he takes 23 days to get to him because he meets this, this demon, and he calls it the Prince of Persia, and he says to Daniel, he says, I would have been here sooner, Daniel. But I encountered the prince of Persia, and it took me 23 days. You can look this up. It's in Daniel 10. I encountered the prince of Persia, and I struggled with him 23 days. And I only broke free from that struggle because the archangel Michael came and fought for me. So let me tell you something. You better know that as soon as you start to... Teach people about Jesus. As soon as you start to do those good things, to do to, to follow your calling, you better be ready because something is gonna come and fight you. And I don't know, you know, Pastor Daphne and I were kinda we're having a, a theological discussion this morning. You know, we're talking. Did did the angel and the prince of Persia? Did they physically fight? Was it a battle of wits? Were they, was it? You know, what were they doing exactly? We don't know. But I do know this: they were at odds, and there is an adversary that will get in your face, and he will try to get in your way. And if he can distract you, then he can stop you. Come on, somebody. If he can distract you from your mission, which is teaching people about Jesus, that he can stop you. So don't get distracted. You keep your eyes on the prize. Um, So here's the thing that we can take from from the story in in Daniel 10. Um, There was this, this unclean spirit, this demon, had taken dominion over the region of Persia. Y'all hang on. We're going to get deep for a minute. Y'all wake up. Everybody good? You need a shake? Anybody need a shake? Nobody? All right, cool. We're good. All right. I saw some people kind of. <laughs> listen. So listen to this. This is really important. This has implications today, right now, in this very moment. This demon the prince of Persia, had taken dominion over the region. Okay. Dominion over the region. What does that mean? That means that's his turf. That's his turf. I remember uh, for a long time in the 90s, we were scared to walk around with different colored bandanas on or whatever because you were worried about being in somebody's turf and they might come over and, and get on to you or something. And the messenger of God tried to come through this demon's turf, and he tried to stop him because he had dominion. How many of our households have something other than the Holy Spirit as dominion over them? I remember when I was a kid, we would bring things home, and uh, I'm telling my grandma. She's sitting right there. She'll throw something at me if I get too if I get if I get wrong. But we would. <laughs> we would bring things home. And sometimes we couldn't keep those things because they represented demonic things. And we didn't understand because we were kids, but she understood. And I'm so thankful that she was aware enough of spiritual warfare that she would teach us about those things. And, uh, something happened piper had a she was watching a video y'all don't don't give youtube to your kids do not give youtube to your kids and just let them watch it because demonic stuff is on there come on and so piper was sitting there she was watching youtube and she had started watching like i don't know something girly or something and i walked by and i looked down and i saw a lady on there doing a, a spell she had drawn a pentagram, and she was doing a spell. And I snatched the phone. I said, what are you watching? And she was like, I'm watching a magic trick. And I said, man, and I just, my spirit, you know, the, you, you're, all the alarms are going off. This is not good. This is, we're going to have to rebuke this cell phone. And so I took it from her, and I turned it off, and she was mad because she didn't understand. Parents, you have got to set The standard in your house. You have got to make sure that God has dominion over your household and not someone else. You have got to make sure that God has dominion over your household. Uh, The third thing, Yahweh is above all other spirits. And so why did I say the name Yahweh? That's what God's name is. In the Hebrew text, they don't actually even write his name. They have a word for his name, and that's it. It's Y-H-W-H. They don't write his name because it's so holy. But there are other spirits. We can look all over the Bible. In 1 Kings 22, God is depicted sitting on a throne surrounded by a host of other spirits. One approaches the throne and says that it will entice King Ahab. In Job 1, Satan appears before the throne of God. Uh, God is often referred to as the Lord of, anybody know? Hosts. Somebody knew it. The Lord of hosts, okay? So ancient Hebrew people that were reading this text would have been familiar with the idea of a multitude of gods, that's why we say the one true God, because there are others, there are other spirits out there that are powerful, that are influential, but he is the only one that is above the rest. And let me begin to wrap this up with something I want to hit home one more time. I want to hit home one more time before I close. Um, Ancient people worshipped false gods by name. Modern people worship the same demons, but we don't know their names. The same idols that existed in other cultures, in these ancient cultures that we can read about in the Old Testament, they still exist today. We worship money, sex, power. Not as named deities, but just as objects. People worship those things. They allow those things to take dominion over their lives. You see, spiritual warfare is all about breaking through dominion. It's all about withstanding. And so things come in and they try to settle and take dominion over your household, over your life over your job. They try to take dominion. One of the most powerful things I ever witnessed was uh, there was an evangelist that came here and he began to rebuke a spirit that had taken dominion over this this city. And I thought, what? He began to rebuke this spirit that had taken dominion over the city of Spring Hill. And he began to prophesy over young people to to to. raise up, to rise up and fight against this thing. And the way that he was teaching these young people to fight was to follow Jesus. That's how you fight. There is an ancient Hebrew tradition and I want to read where it comes, where it's mentioned in Deuteronomy. Um, Deuteronomy 32, Moses is speaking and he says, He says, remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask your father and he will show you. Your elders and they will tell you. When the Most High gave the nations their inheritance, when he divided mankind, he fixed the borders of the peoples according to the number of the sons of God. Now, we know before I finish this, we know that the Bible talks about the sons of God referring to angels. So, watch this. But the Lord's portion is his people, Jacob, his allotted heritage. The Lord's portion. This tradition speaks about other spirits. Fallen angels, demonic entities taking dominion over places on the earth. And even though the regions all surrounding God's people were taken over by these oppressive spirits, where the people worshiped them through debauchery, through infant sacrifice how horrible! But they did these things to worship these these unclean spirits. And even though that surrounded the nation of Israel, God took dominion over them. Yahweh took dominion over them because in the midst of chaos, they were his. And can I just tell you something? That God reserved the descendants of Jacob for himself despite chaos, both natural and supernatural. He would keep his promise. You are that promise. He remains with us today despite dominion being taken all around us. It does not matter if some kind of demonic activity has dominion over your child. It doesn't have you, so you stand. It doesn't matter if the nation that you live in is oppressed by demonic activity, you are gods. Come on, somebody. You are gods. And so you stand up. And so you see something as heartbreaking as your own child being uh, following something that's wrong, something as heartbreaking as your own child having dominion taken, uh, uh, that something has taken dominion over their life. So you better stand and you better pray hard. And you better live a life that follows Jesus and show them and remain faithful to them as he has remained faithful to you. I met someone this week, and there was so much demonic activity around them. That it, just, it, hurt my, it hurt my heart. And I thought, my goodness, you're just a child. But you've made a decision to be marred by the dominion of a demon. And I could just see it. I could see the activity on their life. And I was checking out in a grocery store, and I just almost couldn't speak because it broke my heart because this was just a child. Church family, it's time to get your head in the game. It's time to realize that we are at war, spiritual warfare. You don't ever stop. Every day you need to be prayed up and be ready to face the fight because it's there and it desperately wants to come into your house. And so you've got to make the declaration just like Joshua, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will serve God. He has dominion over this place. He has dominion Over my heart. I'm excited to teach this series. It's gonna, it's listen, it's some heavy stuff, but we are supposed to walk in this. We're supposed to walk in the wisdom and the knowledge that there's more out there than always meets the eye. Come on, we're supposed to walk in the knowledge and wisdom and authority that we can speak and rebuke uh, these demonic things. And so we're gonna talk about this for the next few weeks, and I'm excited, but I just wanna pray um, together uh, for just a few minutes. And just remember that, that we, that God has promised us redemption, that he's given us that gift. And so for just a few minutes, let's all find a place to pray. And I just want to remember that. I just want to remember that. And maybe you're facing something in your life. Maybe you're facing this warfare. And I want you to be strong. I want you to have strength to endure, strength that comes through faith. God, I just pray right now for my family. God, my friends that are here. God, I pray that they have faith and strength in you.